Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Four Checking TV. I'm your host, Doug Glackey. Alongside me tonight is my co-host, Scotty Porterfield. And tonight we are joined by a special guest, Tyler, um, better known as Wardy NHL and Wardy NYM on YouTube. Uh, Tyler, how are we doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing fantastic. I was looking forward to as soon as you guys reached out. I was excited to talk some hockey. Uh, as you guys know, it's something that I don't necessarily do as common as I've been doing baseball as of late. So I always appreciate these conversations. I'm really excited. So thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like you've been very Mets heavy these past couple of months. You know, I've, yeah. I've popped into some streams and stuff like that. And I've seen that, like, obviously I'm subscribed to both pages. And, like, I see, thank like, you. a lot more wardy nym going off than a lot of nhl and rangers stuff so you know but um anyways a lot of what we're going to talk about today is probably going to revolve around jack eichel um potentially coming to the rangers um we were talking about the rick carpinello report um before we started recording that um he claims that mika spanajab could potentially be a part of a package for Jack Eichel. Um, I think a lot of, I think all three of us can agree that we don't really see it, but um, just to break it down, Tyler, what are your thoughts on that? And um, really, what do you think a package, a realistic package for Jack Eichel could look like with or without Mika? Okay. Well, first of all, as we uh, addressed uh, prior to going live here, um, I never really took Rick's report were more than a grain of salt. Unfortunately, uh, Rick Carpinello, had, I have not been high on him for a while. Um, this has been going on over a year now. Um, falls in that category with a lot of other reporters where, you know, a lot, you have to wonder, is this report based on strictly um, belief, personal belief, or is this actually something credible? And there's nothing to in indicate that there's any sources behind this than himself. And um, nothing personal against Rick, but you know, I have, there's a reason why I don't even follow the guy on Twitter anymore. I haven't in over a year. Uh, so I, I don't really, I wouldn't really put too much stock into Mika for obvious reasons, starting with one, uh, the Rangers highly view Mika and in a scenario where they acquired Eichel, could they of course try to venture and trade off Mika after the fact? Absolutely. Why does it make any sense? However, to put him as part of a deal, Buffalo going the other way for one Mika had, I believe has a no move clause. Um, I'd, I'd assume that Buffalo isn't among the teams that he'd be interested in landing with, even in a scenario where the Rangers flat out said, yeah, we want to trade you. Um, is that enough of a spark under him to be like, all right, this bridge is burned. I'll go wherever you want to send me. I just want to get out of here. Highly doubt that. Uh, again, it'll be really, really tough to keep within the cap, both him and Eichel, uh, especially with Mika having a big extension coming up. Um, so I don't necessarily foresee in this scenario where Eichel comes to the Rangers where they can last together long, they'd have to get very creative with the cap and the Rangers would have to lock out kind of like a Tampa Bay situation. Maybe they have to work LTIR, do something to spread the cap in one way or another, like Toronto's done in recent years. But a realistic deal, I wish I had a better answer for you. And the reason why I don't is, one, there's been assumably a stalemate between uh, Chris Drury, GM for the Rangers, and talks with Buffalo because they've really been standing firm when they are clearly using Eichel as an asset and nothing more. Uh, Eichel is the agent and himself have made it clear that the guy needs surgery on uh, that He can get surgery and still be ready for the season, but the Sabres are reluctant to allowing him to do so. Um, so that bridge is completely burned. If you think that Eichel has any chance of wanting to stay with Buffalo any longer, you know, trust me, I have a bridge to tell you that's far gone. Uh, 
package wise though, I'm going to be curious if you guys have any stances on it. But for me, I don't, if you, for any Buffalo Sabres fans out there that's still under the belief that oh, you're getting, you know, multiple first round picks, Alexi Lafreniere, one of him or Kako, um, you know, Vitaly Kratsov, or Niels Lundqvist, that isn't happening. It just isn't. I think if there's any top tier prospects of the Rangers that is potentially available, it would be Vitaly. And even that kind of gets burned quickly because the Rangers will not have traded Pavel Buchnevich, uh for a little to nothing, given what his worth was even as an RFA, without the belief that Vitaly could be a pivotal part of this top nine going forward, a uh, young prospect for the Rangers. So I really don't know. I'm, I'm awfully curious to see how this is going to unravel. And to be quite honest with you, I hope for Eichel's sake that there's just there's something made, regardless of where he, if he lands with the Rangers or not. I don't think the guy, from everything that I've seen and read, he doesn't deserve this treatment. He clearly, uh, you know, he has a herniated disc in his neck. Um, it reminds me a lot of, going back to baseball terms, Brandon Nimmo had a very similar thing, a leadoff hitter for the Mets. Uh, something that nagged him for a very long time. It's not easy to play through that, and you can only worsen things for yourself. And Nemo is ultimately out for months at a time because of it. Um, so I hope for Eichel's sake that he's able to get the surgery he's looking for and that he's traded to a place that can actually uh, treat him the way that he's rightfully uh, should be treated, given all these circumstances in Buffalo. But, yeah, asset-wise, it's kind of tough. I'm thinking defensemen. And Matthew Robertson, one of him, or Zach Jones, a first-round pick, obviously, but those that first-round pick won't hold as much significance as it would in recent years for the Rangers with them being a contender now and going forward. Um, the first, the second, uh, Robertson or Zach Jones. Ryan Strome, even though he's a rental, just to kind of counter what money-wise as well, makes sense for Buffalo. It's not like Buffalo's competing next year. You know, they would have been in a much different direction if they were to take on Ryan Strome, a rental, a guy that can play there, should not be a problem necessarily. Maybe you consider even resigning if they throw him the money he's looking for for a couple more years while he's still in his prime um, and some other assets out there. But, yeah, I do not see any heavy hitters like Capo Caco. If, if one of those big names is Trey Buffalo, then I personally have a big problem with the Rangers management. Um, I'm I'm strongly backing Caco and Niels Lundqvist and Vitaly, I think, is a slight exception. But it also just doesn't make sense with how they parted ways with Buchanich over the past two months. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Um, I've been saying since the trade deadline that they can get this done without trading Lafreniere or Kako. Um, I think Ryan Strom makes all the sense in the world for the Buffalo Sabres just simply because, like, even if he doesn't play a game for them, he they can flip him. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be good value. Um, to be had there, especially if Buffalo were to require him, you know, even if he just plays half the year and then becomes a deadline type of asset. Um, you know, I like what you said about Robertson or Jones, because for the longest time we've been hearing Lundqvist or Schneider. Um, I think that's a nice little change of pace. Um, but uh, something randomly that just popped into my head. Um, I'm not sure like how feasible this would be from the Rangers perspective, but like, what would you think if Alexander Georgiev were in the deal? Um, Sign me up yesterday. Yeah. Uh, no because, problem with me whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and the reason being is Georgiev, unfortunately, has had, did not have a good year this past year with the Rangers. Uh, still mm -hmm. a guy that has promise. I've, I've always liked Georgiev, um, but he has been inconsistent this year for the Rangers, um, whether that was in more so the Rangers' lack of defense, even though the Rangers were not a terrible defensive team at all this year, actually, especially on penalty kill. Um, but you throw in that factor, throw in the Tony D'Angelo situation that we don't need to, 
you know, get into. We've already been there, but there were already kind of feathers ruffled with Yorgiev in the locker room, whether that was just with Tony or others. Um, but, you know, the Rangers are trying to get as far away from all of the kind of um, adversities that they faced over the past calendar plus year. And Gurjev is a guy that I know that they've been eyeing to potentially throw, uh, really deal with for the better half of this past year, this season and last season, um, two past few seasons, I should say. There's been second-round picks that Gorn originally looked for, was a game deal he's looking for. I know that Chris Drury, there's been a rumor that the Rangers are still looking for a first-round pick for him. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be against Gurjev being dealt as, at all because uh, the Rangers do have some up-and-coming gold centers within the system. They always tend to do well with backups, um, especially a Tyler Wall standing out to me, who's a young, promising goaltender for them, uh, amongst some others. So, yeah, if that if that would help swing the deal for the Sabres, obviously a smaller part of a bigger package. From a, my personal side of things, I would have absolutely no issue with it. Tyler, one thing I wanted to ask you about, kind of relating to the uh, the, the number, the jersey hanging up on your back wall there, what yeah. were your impressions of uh, Alexi Lafreniere in his rookie year? Like, were you kind of let down? Were you expecting more out of him? What, what were your thoughts on uh, his performance this year? What are you expecting from him into this season? Great question. So, Alexi, going into the year, he did not start off the year, I think, the way any Ranger fan anticipated. Um, but at the same time, it kind of showed those flashes of Kafka in the sense of starting off a rookie year rough, those kind of things. But Laffy never looked uncomfortable to me, which is what really stood out. I thought he had a perfectly fine rookie year. I fully expect him to break out. There's one thing that has never been an issue for Lafreniere since coming to the league. From everything that I've seen, it's really been confidence. Um, yes, he has lacked, especially his first 15 to 20 games in the short season. Uh, things that I noticed the most were he was very passive. You know, the guy, the last thing he was trying to do is sell. He's such a selfless player. But when you're deemed the consensus first overall pick, really since, you know, you were a kid, there's a reason why you got there. And I think it also in part with David Quinn and how he approached the club, wanting everyone to kind of be more of a conformist in unison with another than really being a standout. I do think that hurt. Lafreniere at first, but especially with changing the guard now, Gerard Gallant, I love him for Lafreniere, what he's going to bring in the top six. He's going to get endless opportunities, both on 5-on-5 and special teams. I, I thought he had a perfectly fine rookie season. He, he showed plenty of flashes I was excited for. He uses the body well, can actually defend when needed. He's a really, really well-rounded well player, and he just oozes with confidence, and he has this infectious personality that just rubs off so good in the clubhouse. Uh, just for everything that he's always smiling, he's always having a great time. Silky mitts. I'm really excited for Lafreniere. I'm not really going to put too much stock in maybe the lack of offensive production because, you know, the guy's, what, 18, 19 now. It's it's just the beginning. And he's getting a seasoned coach that knows what it takes to win one, but has been known for developing young talent, especially like a Florida uh, during the early days of Barkov and Huberto when they start off slow. He really helped get the ground running for them. And uh, I see similar play style with Lafreniere and Kakko and those two, especially uh, when it comes to their well-roundedness. So, I, I'm I'm really excited to see what Lafreniere is going to do this upcoming season and beyond. I'm pretty stoked about it. Now, some other moves that were made this offseason. Uh, it seems like the Rangers wanted to really intensify the grit as far as their uh, roster is concerned. It seems like they kind of, like, built a team that can take on Tom Wilson of sorts, you know, obviously bringing in uh, Goudreau and uh, the Grim Reaver as well. What were your thoughts on those additions, and do you think they're going to mesh well with uh, – the new scheme that Gerard Gallant has? Because obviously Reeves is familiar with playing with uh, Gallant all those years in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, this checks off all the boxes for Gerard. You know, he said before he even uh, was hired with the Rangers that, you know, that 
that that they need to approach it a certain way. And that was directly going in hand with the unfortunate, you know, at the time, an abrupt departure with both John Davidson and Jeff Gorin because James Dolan, who love him or hate him, not a big fan of him as the owner currently for the Rangers. For the Knicks, everyone hated him. Then he kind of felt, felt, you know, he's in a better spot with the Knicks now, looking like he's getting a little bit too involved with the Rangers. But again, uh, he wasn't happy about how they were approaching things, felt they needed some more aggressiveness. And that was an obvious focal point that they were going to address this offseason. I love Barkley Goudreau. He was a guy I wanted the Rangers to acquire when he was still with San Jose. So, So to see him after two Stanley Cup runs, fine with that. Yes, a little bit of an overpayment. But again, these are the kind of guys and you guys, um, should know as well for whatever fans you are. I know that Doug, you're clearly looking like a Penn fan over here. So you need those guys in the bottom six that can really help round out things. Again, those nitty and gritty areas, be able to fight, but at the same time, still put up, you know, 15, 20 points a season and be a killer on the penalty kill. Love that. And Ryan Reeves, he's out there to fight Tom Wilson. He's out there to match up with Matt Martin for the Islanders. You know, that is what he's there for. I'm not a big fan of, quote, I call them pylons, cones when they're out there, when, you know, they're only out there a handful of games. I'm not in favor for it whatsoever. But Ryan Reeves has that playoff caliber. He knows what it takes to win. He's been in all these deep runs. He, one, is actually a capable player. He can get you upwards of 15 tops, 20 points a season. If, if things are going right, he gets enough playing time. Um I'm fine with that. I'm fine with all that, you know, even with some other acquisitions that they made for depth defensemen. I think that's all fine and well to help really run out this team to make sure that they can compete with everyone else that's trying to give them a hard time, starting with Tom Wilson from the top down. The Flyers will always be pesky, paying their, paying their butt. We know that. Same thing with players, whether it's on the Capitals or the Islanders most notably. Like, those are, guys, those are teams, if the Rangers want to get over their hump, which is fully what they want to do, they need to have that good balance of – both talent and grit to defend their young players. So not against it at all. Um, I, I do feel, however, that they add on anything further than it is overkill. I think they got exactly when they need and then some. I think most can agree with that, but I'm curious to see how they're going to play. Uh, all I care about most when it comes to Ryan Reeves is that the lines are still bounds. That's something for me. That's always been the pet peeve of recent head coaches for the Rangers. Really since Elaine Vigneault, the Rangers have not had coaching for a while where you balance your four lines. And I think it's important to make sure everyone's balanced and not overwork the top six because then crunch time, they're either gassed and, you know, you want to be able to trust most of your guys. Even if you have guys that are clearly better than others, Gerard Gallant brings that factor. And I hope that he uh, reiterates that with this club. But, yeah, Ryan Reeves, Barkley Goodrow, sign me up. I think that they're going to only help this club going down the road. Yeah, and I was going to say about Barkley Goodrow, um, you know, he reminds you so much of Brandon Tanev from like a Mm -hmm. Penguins perspective where – he's still a very competent hockey player can still put up like 20 points a year, maybe more in a better situation, but he's still going to be just absolutely tenacious in all, in all areas of the ice. You know, he's going to be an absolute madman out there. And the big thing with Ryan Reeves that um, Scotty and I both noticed probably from his time in Pittsburgh is you need to have a fourth line that's conducive to being able to have Ryan Reeves. Um, Pittsburgh really didn't have that at the time. Um, You know, they had Matt Cullen as their fourth line center. And I think he he was playing, I think, with Tom Kunakel on that left wing. And it just didn't really mesh well. And Mike Sullivan didn't really use Ryan Reeves a whole a whole lot. So I think that that's something that um, Gerard Gallant's going to do well with. Um, Obviously, he he had the right recipe in Vegas with uh, them playing with like Noshik and Carrier. So. Uh, hopefully the Rangers are able to accommodate Ryan Reeves and have that work because he's like the only player in the league who's truly Tom Wilson's kryptonite. Yeah, he absolutely is. I'm glad you brought that up because again, 
And the Rangers didn't make it abundantly clear that they are not just trying to combat the Wilson situation, but just overall wanting to make sure that they avoid any kind of similar. Because, look, as much as it pisses me off that Tom Wilson basically, you know, changes franchise in a drastic way one way or another, there was a lead up to this point, and he was just the icing on the cake and then some. Because it to, to still think about that game and how manhandled and, you know, how, of course, the NHL didn't take action. And you guys are, of course, entitled to your, to your own opinions with that. But to see their star player in Panarin, who didn't even have a helmet, getting slammed on the ice, see Buchneva try and come in and get, get slammed to everyone. It just the Rangers, they never want to be in a situation like that again. And they cannot afford to allow their young core group in that situation. You know, Kako, Lafreniere, those, that's your future right there. That is what the Rangers are for the Penguins, of course, and Malkin and Crosby in one way or another. Not saying they're going to be nearly as talented, but that is what the Rangers are banking on now and going forward. God forbid, if we have a situation here where, you know, they're left unguarded and they're not able to properly defend themselves, you know, that could be detrimental to the Rangers' success going down the road and what is hopefully going to be five to 10 years of competitive playoff hockey. So, uh, it sucks. It sucks that things have kind of panned out the way that they have, in my opinion, but it, it needed to be had. And I'm glad it's addressed. Now I just, I hope it stays that way. I hope there's nothing further um, and that they just continue to round things out. But I think they're in the right direction. Just had made some uh, moves that were a little rather drastic uh, to some fans, to say the least. Uh, I don't think anyone expected uh, what has transpired over the past four or five months to have transpired the way it has. One positive I think Rangers fans are taking from this uh, past season was kind of the, uh, the Adam Fox show essentially in New York. Cause I mean, he uh, obviously won the Norris trophy this year, kind of stepped up in, in a big way for that back end, especially with everything that happened, you know, with the whole Tony D'Angelo situation. It's like, now it's like, okay, we don't have a young defenseman to fall back on. And now this guy steps up and does his thing. What were your thoughts on how he played this year? And did you think he could be a staple in New York for some time now? Oh yeah. I mean, Fox, that, that Matt, that like max extension is just, you know, at his fingertips at this point. I mean, I, I was, I had high hopes for him as soon as the Rangers landed him, as you guys probably know the story, but this was a kid who grew up in Long Island, Jericho, I uh, grew up a dying Rangers fan, always wanted to be a New York Ranger. And uh, talking about a ballsy move for a young player getting drafted, I believe third round uh, from Harvard back in the mid 2010s by Calgary said, I'm not going to play with his team if it's not the New York Rangers. So after his time in Harvard was done, he was then dealt to Carolina, said the exact same thing to Carolina. Rangers were fortunate that they were the Rangers at that point, something that they've been fortunate with other players as well uh, that were coming from college in recent years over the past decade. Uh, but they get Fox for two second round picks and his rookie year was phenomenal. The only reason why he didn't even crack the top three and uh, Calder voting was Dominic Kublik had a breakout year for a rather veteran-esque uh, European forward that came out of nowhere. And then you, of course, like Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes that were just had more point production. And you can't blame Fox. He wasn't on the number one power play. Tony D had his breakout year for the Rangers at the time. Coming in the year two, though, everything and then some. Tony, Tony D not being a part of this Rangers defense benefited the Rangers more than you could have ever believed because that gave him the stronghold of being that quarterback on the power play, giving him 20 plus minutes a night. And he ate it up. I have never seen a defenseman as smooth skin, as comfortable in every situation that I have seen out of box. And I'm a guy that loves Ryan McDonough. He will always be one of my favorites as a Rangers fan, a younger Ranger fan, but Adam Fox is the best defenseman the Rangers have had since Brian Leach. And it's really not close. 
um, to see him actually win the Norris in his second year is jaw dropping to me. I'm so happy for him. He was deserving at like a 99% war this year. Um, sky is only upward for Adam Fox. I mean, the guy, he's a little understatured and he does not let that impact his game whatsoever. And he's going to continue to prove his doubters wrong. He just, he has, he is as five tool of a player and as well-rounded as of a defenseman that you will ever see in the game of hockey right now. Now, speaking of a certain defenseman, um, Keandre Miller, um, yeah. he's probably going to be, you know, that second pairing option, that second power play unit guy for the Rangers. What type of step forward are you expecting him to take after a fairly solid rookie season? Um, obviously had some stuff go on where, you know, he did have some trouble adjusting, but I think with every day, lineup time and consistent minutes as maybe a second or a third pairing defenseman, he's going to be just fine. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Keandre is an interesting character. Cause when you look at how the Rangers defensive configuration is right now, you don't, you kind of forget about Keandre for a second. You know, it's very right heavy. You look at Fox, you look at um, Truba now who had himself a pretty good bounce back year for the Rangers in year two with them. And you have now Niels Lundqvist, who's our coveted young prospect on the right side. That's deemed to really get a good role with the Rangers in his first year. I think that's actually going to benefit Keandre. And that's why I bring up Niels because Keandre, while he has an offensive ability, when he was drafted, he had only been a defenseman for a couple of years in his young career. He was trained once he started, I believe, with the Team USA and juniors from going from, I believe it was a center or right wing to then defense. Very smooth skater, big body. He's a, He can really be a shutdown, similar to Truba once the opposing team airs his own. Had his hiccups in his rookie year. I definitely noticed at times where he was looking like one of the Rangers' worst defensemen. Um, and ups and downs, I should say. But year two, I think it's going to benefit him well because I think it's going to be honestly, further pressure off of his shoulders, mainly because he can focus more on his defensive game. I do, I do not expect Keandre to be a 30, 40 plus defenseman for the Rangers. I think 15, 20 points is very realistic for him in normal 82 game season. And I think a guy like Niels Lundqvist coming over uh, from Sweden is really going to help him with getting probably less power play time one and two, just laying him focus on his own craft, especially if they ever pair up, which I don't think will be often. I think Keandre is going to be matched up with Truba and the top two. Um, but no less, I think that he's in a pretty comfortable spot, has a guy that he can bank on in Truba um, and really just hone in on his game. Rangers have enough puck moving defensemen that the guys that, you know, maybe don't need them to be that guy. There's no, there's no need to push anything. Kind of just let him continue to get acclimated and do his thing. And I think he's going to be just fine. Yeah, and I think the key has to be to keep Keandre with Truba because, you know, Truba being as defensively sound as he is um, can allow Keandre to get involved in the offense, be the one who's taking the puck up the ice. Um, it reminds me a lot of, you know, the partnership that Marcus Pedersen has developed with John Marino, where John Marino's in Pittsburgh, where John Marino is able to take the puck up the ice more because of how rock steady Marcus Petters can be on the defensive side of things at times. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I've, I've also, I've been an admirer of John Marino's game since, you know, his rookie year a couple of years ago too. And that's, that's a solid comparison as well. Every team, you know, you always have, it's always ideal to have, you know, in a sense a positive and a negative, not in an actual negative sense, but a guy where, you know, his plus is more so offensively gifted and the other can really focus on that shutdown. You want that balance. Normally when you have, two positives, two guys that are heavy puck movers. You know, it's not going to bode well because odds are these guys are not going to back check as much. Maybe you're getting too much pinching 
uh, pinching going on into the zone. And then before you know, it's a breakaway the other end. So you want that balancing pair. I think the Rangers have it uh, between Truba and um, Miller. They're very similar styles in the sense of they're both guys that can give you easily 20 plus points going forward, 25. Truba can, of course, he had flash with 50 in his final year with the Jets. He's not a guy that'll be flashing 50 ever again, I don't think, with the Rangers, but that's solely because the Rangers don't need him to do that. And that's why he's not gaining those power play opportunities that he had during his time at quarterback uh, with the Jets uh, up until he was dealt. So I think it's a very solid uh, thing that the Rangers have going with their defensive core group. And I'm just, I'm really interested to see how both Keandre. Truba and kind of this top six, how it's going to round out going forward because it doesn't look like it's going to be vastly changing for a while now. I think they're pretty steady going forward with uh, with the assumption that no significant trades happen uh, with any of these guys. Okay, that's that's good. Um, now, if they were like, let's say if they were to fall out of a Jack Eichel sweepstakes. Are we Eichel or bust, or do you, do you still think they need to go get another center? Oh, it's Eichel or bust. Um, and the reason why I say that is Ryan Strom's done everything the Rangers could have ever asked for and then some. I mean, this guy has proven every one of us wrong. He's proven that he can very much hang with Panarin. Panarin, from everything I've seen, thoroughly enjoys him being his centerman on that top six. Um, and, you know, if you don't get Eichel, yeah, that would be a little bit of a bummer about the same time. What are, you, what are you even getting with Jack Eichel if you do land him this year? We don't know. That surgery is going to be a big thing. Eichel might miss a good portion of the year. You know, we don't know. And you on top of that, you also don't know what Jack Eichel you're going to get once he is healthy after he has a surgery, assuming he has it. There's a lot of question marks in this Jack Eichel sweepstakes and whoever wins it, what exactly are you winning? He's an amazingly talented player. I love everything about his game, but that guy does have red flags given his health. So if the Rangers don't land him, I'm going to live my next day, you know, not looking back too much. It is what it is. It wouldn't be the last time the Rangers have been heavily connected to top center didn't land him in the end. Um, so uh, I'm content either way. I do think it's Eichel or Bust mainly because the Rangers just kind of fell in the Eichel situation knowing that they, one, have all the assets really and then some to appeal Sabres probably more than another club. And, yes, you can argue the Canes. You can argue Minnesota. You can argue Anaheim. But there's a reason why the Rangers have been so heavily ingrained with Eichel more than any other club for a while now. And whether that is something that the Sabres like or dislike, given that, you know, it's not like he's going that far. I know that he's going out of the Atlantic, but, you know, it's not like he's going out west. So that's something that might not be as appealing to them. No less, there's a reason why the Rangers are still in these conversations this day. And they land them all be ecstatic. I really will at the right price, of course. But, yeah, I, I firmly stand behind the notion that it's Eichel or bust. I don't see them. The only other centerman that they reportedly were going in after was Philip Deneau, which I really like. But Deneau, as we know, ended up signing that big contract. Good for him in L.A. So I, I don't really see the Rangers doing anything outside of Eichel this season. Tyler, should the Rangers not bring in Jack Eichel, how do you see them uh, stacking up against the rest of the Metro if the divisions do realign this year? How do you think they'll look compared to everyone else? Um, so if they do or don't land Jack Eichel, is that what you're asking? Do not land Jack Eichel. If they do not, okay. if, if they don't, if they don't land Jack Eichel, I think that they have a very good chance of making playoffs. I think that this team is more playoff caliber than what they have been in years past. And I really think that while things haven't changed drastically for them, I believe that 
Gerard Gallant is going to be that huge X factor for them. They need, they've been needing a coach to his mentality to get over that hump. You know, David Quinn couldn't help them get there. You know, he was brought in to be a development coach. And the one problem was he kind of lacked development aspects for the Rangers. Gerard Gallant has a fantastic resume. He still wonders to this day why he's kind of been kicked, you know, out of both Florida and Vegas alike. When if you look at the actual standings at the time, it wasn't like he was doing anything that would label you as, you know, what what's going wrong here? He's had his deep runs and playoffs before, most notably in Vegas recently. I think he's going to be that key for the Rangers, and I do believe they're going to make playoffs, but I don't think they're going to run away with anything. Uh, Eor Shostorkin, who just signed an extension to have the time recording this, he's a massive part of their success. He's been really good, but he's also been dealing with some injuries this past year. He needs to be healthy for them to actually get where they want to be. Defense needs to thrive. Offense needs to see development, further development. Guys need to be balanced. And, yeah, without Jack Eichel, I do believe the Rangers will make playoffs, but I do by no means am I expecting this team to uh, blow everyone else out of the water in the Metro. I think if they make playoffs, kind of as I've been saying the past couple of years, they just kind of sneak in by a couple of games. Uh, nothing that I think that, you know, they have themselves like, uh, upwards of a double-digit lead on opposing teams. And that would be surprising to me, uh, which I wouldn't be against, but, again, surprising. I was I was actually waiting to bring up the Worcester-Sturkin extension. Um, what did you think about that? Obviously, it's a big, big extension. Um, I think it's, like, second-highest AEV handed out for a goalie on their second contract coming out of an ELC. Um what are your thoughts on that? Obviously, um, in my opinion, he's probably the best young goalie running right now. Probably the best goalie to build around at this current moment in time. Um, outside of like an Andre Vasilevsky type of goalie. But um, what are your thoughts on that? And, um, you know, yeah, like what are you thinking about that in terms of like committing to him with that high of a cap number and the term? I love it. I think it's perfect. I mean, if you're going to give him it, it, I would have been even fine with it if it was a six year, six year deal. Like I, for me personally, I've been following Igor. Oh my goodness. I don't even literally since the guy's been drafted. So like when he mm-hmm. finally arrived in New York past couple of years after Hank, you know, like it was talking about passing the torch. That was textbook. Um, you know, uh, there's no guy that I would want in, in net for the Rangers than Igor right now. Um, it's been you know, a long time coming. It still kind of feels surreal to me, given everything that's happened the past year. I feel like I haven't truly appreciated him enough yet. Um, he's a great young gold center, did, did everything you could ask for from him in the KHL, won championships there, um, has proven himself at the Olympics as well from all, everything I've seen, or at least juniors. And now he comes with the Rangers four-year deal, uh, 4.66 mil AAV. I have to see the actual breakdown on what years he's getting paid more than others because I haven't seen those little details yet. So I'll have to double check on that. But no less, I really, really like it because that by time that contract's done, he still should be very much in his prime either towards – he should be right at the end of his 20s, if my memory's not mistaken. And then he'll pro- probably assumably be looking for a Sergei Bobrovsky-esque contract or a Lundqvist contract again where you're getting – you know, seven plus years, which will probably be deserving for his case. So really, really love the contract. Uh, perfect AV and uh, perfect years as well. It's kind of funny. It's almost exactly the same thing that the St. Louis Blues just gave to Pavel Buchnevich, only just, I think, like 120 to 150K difference, same AV and everything. Yeah, and then, you know, I'm looking at the contract breakdown right now. Um, it's not that bad. Like this year, total salary, it's going to be $3 million. The mm-hmm. next year bumps up to six. 
year after it bumps up to seven. And then the last year, the deal dips down a little bit to like 6.67. So I think that's a really solid contract for him. Um, you know, and I think that he's going to yield great results, not only because he's a magnificent goaltender, but because the Rangers are building something great on the defensive side of things. Um, their decor is going to be really, really good. And, you know, we're, we're talking about Niels Lundqvist making the jump to North America this year. And, you know, you still have Matthew Roberts and you still have Braden Schneider, who still, once they develop, can easily be key contributors to the Rangers. And, um, you know, I mean, honestly, man, the defense is loaded. Um, they talk about the forward group, but like the defense is so underrated whenever you really think of it on paper, at least. Yeah. I mean, I, I love it. I, I, I think it's over. I mean, I think it's underrated too. And I appreciate that especially from an outsider's perspective, because it's something that Jeff Gorin really took pride in during his time as GM for the Rangers. And, uh, you know, to say that I feel sorry for that man, that he was kind of dealt the cards he was towards the end of his tenure with the Rangers is an understatement. I mean, he really built this core group awfully similar to what he did with Boston with what they've been the past decade. It's because of Jeff Gordon building, building drafting the way he did the Rangers just, you know, I'm even thinking about other defensemen, like the Rangers trade away Joey Keene, which at the time was a very young, promising defenseman for them for Julian Gauthier and the trade that made sense for both them and Carolina the past like year and a half now, but they've, they've continuously drafted solid defensemen. Brain Schneider looks like Jacob Truba, but better with his ceiling. For sure, same, similar size, aggressiveness, but can be faster on the puck and off the puck. Matthew Robertson, really, really nifty skater as well that can contribute as power play quarterback. Zach Jones, who was fantastic in college this past year, who only looks like he's continuing to get better. Smaller stature defenseman, but very similar to Adam Fox. He has been labeled in the Rangers organization as a left-handed Adam Fox one way or another. So that's not a compliment. I don't know what is. And then, of course, Niels Lundqvist, who's been the Rangers' best prospect over the past year coming over from Sweden, who just is magnificent in all uh, aspects of the game. So, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful that the Rangers have built the prospect core that they have and the current group that they had defensively. Ryan Lindgren, a guy that I didn't even mention at all, has been a huge staple, who was just a rookie, you know, same thing with Adam Fox, and they've been one of the better pairs in all D, uh, all NHL right now. So, yeah, I can I cannot begin to tell you how head over heels I am about this defense, not just now, but in the years going forward. Yeah, and Lindgren's huge simply because, like, we've seen it as Penguin fans with Chris Letang for years. The key to having a superstar Norris caliber defenseman is having somebody who's just as good at the defensive side of hockey as that player is at the offensive, as, as that player is in terms of offensive tools. Um, I feel like the Penguins didn't really get that until Brian Dumoulin came onto the scene a couple years ago. And uh, Latang has really benefit, benefited from that, just like how Adam Fox is benefiting from Ryan Lindgren being as good as he is this early in his career. Um, and I think that that's something that excites me about Niels Lundqvist coming in, probably being a third pairing option for the team is because they, the Rangers sent Patrick Nemeth and, you know, he's probably going to play this year in their top six, I would think. And he looks like somebody who, you know, he's made a career out of just being good at just being a good defenseman, just being defensively responsible and just doing what he needs to do in his own end so that other players can thrive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I'm glad you brought Patrick, too, because 
while, you know, he's nothing flashy, that's not what the Rangers got. They got a guy that on a three-year deal that would probably play two of those three. I, I'll be surprised if he plays all three with the Rangers. But, you know, he has that Swedish um, intellect that's going to really help Niels. I think that was a big factor in bringing him in. Um, he's going to help get Niels comfortable coming to the States, being part of that, I'd assume, bottom pair defense. Uh, let Niels run with it. Just sit back, relax, you know, and just help him out with anything and everything he needs. I fully expect um, – Nemeth to kind of be his mentor one way or another to really kind of get him acclimated in, in the in the NHL. So that's why he was brought in, and um, I'm perfectly fine with it. A guy that I know that Avs fans have, you know, spoken glowingly, you know, kind of in a sarcastic way about him, as have other teams that have had the privilege of having Patrick. But, yet the Rangers have him for a strict reason, bottom pair of defense, a couple of years, have him paired with Niels, let that kid rock, just sit back and do what you're supposed to be doing to really just help round out this defense. Yeah, and just looking at it right now, I'm, I currently have the uh, Rangers cap friendly depth chart up on my um, up on my phone. Yeah, and I really like the looks of their fourth line um, with Barclay. It, right now, it's this is Barclay Goudreau, Kevin Rooney, and Ryan Greaves. And earlier, whenever I said like you need to have a fourth line that's conducive to having Ryan Reeves, um, that I think that pretty much checks all the boxes. Um, you know, Kevin Rooney's good on the PK, very defensively responsible. And Barclay Goudreau is, I mean, his resume stands for himself, stands for itself. Won two cups with Tampa. Obviously, really fast player, really intense type of player. I think that that's going to be somebody who's going to be great to have run, run wild with Reeves. Yeah, I mean, it's. I will say, I will be a little surprised if Barkley is on the fourth line for the entire season. I think he's a guy that'll bounce between third and fourth, mainly because mm-hmm. of that contract. Um, I think when you when you throw him that contract, there's an expectation you'd probably want have him to have more of a uh, role in the, role in the club than that. So I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna balance between the two all year long. Uh, maybe it even varies depending on if Reeves is in the lineup. I think that's something that should be addressed as well because Ryan Reeves ain't starting every game. If there is, I'm going to go knock on Gerard Gallant's door and say, what What are you doing? I know you like the guy, but we shouldn't be playing him every game now. Okay, so, um, yeah, regardless, him in the bomb six, really excited about that. And you're right. I think if that is something that comes to fruition, uh, a Barkley, Reeves, and Kevin Rooney fourth line, that will be very exciting. Uh, to me, that does check off everything you get grit and all that first and foremost, but yet pretty defensively responsible, to put it lightly. Like those are at least two of three guys that will be focal points on your penalty kill. So, yeah, definitely appealing for sure. Yeah, I'm very big on having a defensively responsible fourth line. Obviously, Pittsburgh has it. Um, Aston Reese and Teddy Bluger together are phenomenal, and they, ha- they had a great running mate in Brandon Tana for many years. And like you said with Goudreau, like maybe playing up in the lineup due to the contract, same thing happened in Pittsburgh with Tanev. I mean, they had him playing with Malkin to start, and that didn't work out. Kind of just fell into this fourth-line role where they became one of the best fourth lines in hockey. So I totally understand where, where you're coming from there. And I like what you said about Reeves not playing every game because they still need to play Julian Gauthier. Um, yeah. You know, find a way to rotate him in and out. Like, if there's a big game coming up, like where you know they're playing, the obviously like playing Washington, slot Reeves in, pull Gautier or somebody else. You know, something like that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you know, I agree with you. I'm a huge Julian Gauthier advocate. I think the guy has endless potential. Um, I just don't feel that he's really been dealt the right cards at this point in his career. Um, and I really hope that for the Rangers' sake and uh, Gallant's sake and everyone that he can just get a good amount of playing time. Because if, if he isn't at this point in his career, you know, I think it would be best if he's dealt for the betterment of him. Um, you know, talk about being uh, – I'm trying to be selfless here as a guy that's a huge advocate for him. Like, I, I want him to succeed. So, I hope it's with the Rangers. I hope that he gets a good chunk of playing time. Uh, but if he doesn't and uh, he clearly has been proving enough, then I hope for his sake that he can be dealt to an organization that will give him the opportunities he rightfully deserves. Yeah, and honestly, it's just basic knowledge of a rebuild. Like, you, you need to play the young guys over the veterans at some right. point. And with where the with where the Rangers are at, with having Lafreniere, Kako, Kravtsov getting ready to burst onto the scene this season, um, they need to allow all these young guys, even if they are just getting third or fourth line minutes, to get all the opportunities they need to succeed and become NHL players. Absolutely, you know, I couldn't agree more. All right, uh, Scotty, do you have anything else for Tyler? One thing that just not Rangers related, but I feel like we uh, do need to touch on is there have obviously been some developments with the uh, Kirill Kaprizov situation in Minnesota. So the report came out today. This was from uh, Frank Saravalli. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov has a tentative agreement in place with CSKA Moscow on a one-year eight-figure deal to begin on September 1st should a new contract not materialize with the Wild. However, the Wild appear ready to and willing to talk a medium-term length deal. Uh, initial hang-up was Minnesota was only interested in a seven- or eight-year deal for the Calder Trophy winner. That's not the case, but there's a bunch of options in turn. In term, excuse me, and the Kaprizov camp contends there has been no offer made since April. So, all in all, it just seems like, you know, Billy Garen and company could potentially miss out on Kirill Kaprizov here. What are we thinking do we think he has a chance of coming back to Minnesota or is he just going to be the one year wonder and end up heading back over to Russia? Uh, I think that Creel's just playing hardball um, and rightfully so. I, I think the guy, he, you know, look what he did. He turned Minnesota single-handedly in one year from being a nobody to somebody again. Uh, did things that Marion Gabrick even couldn't do during his entire tenure with Minnesota with his overall play. So, yeah, I, I think Creel's going to stay in Minnesota. I think Minnesota is going to throw him the money he's looking for. Uh, you know, you bought out, you bought out Zach Parise, you bought out Ryan Suter, and now you're telling me you're out of the Jack Eichel sweepstakes probably, and you're not going to re-sign Kirill Kaprizov. So I'm going to go with the notion that Kirill is very much a Minnesota um, wild uh, by the time the season starts, even if it gets down to the wire. You know, playing hardball. This isn't the first Russian I've seen where you get an offer from your previous team back in the KHL and, you know, they come to terms. You know, it's a, it's a maybe a little bit of a scare tactic thing, trying to really edge on Minnesota, get aggressive here, get it get it done. Um, yeah, I do think Creel's going to get paid, uh, rightfully so, and it, even, it might even be an overpayment. Like, I, I don't know how Minnesota's truly approaching this right now because I'm, you know, on an outside looking in currently, but – uh, just from every from basic knowledge, as Doug has been saying with things too, you know, there is absolutely no reason whatsoever why Minnesota should or could allow Kirill to walk. If they do, that's going to be another smack in the face of that organization that has had a little to no success since it began. And I, I don't think uh, Wild fans would be very happy with that as they have fresh Kirill jerseys that they've acquired over the past six months. Like, come on. So I, I, don't, I, I think I think they're going to extend them. 
yeah, honestly, I, I agree with what Tyler said. Um, Kirill's just playing hardball. I think that he knows that he knows what he's worth. And it's not even the money that's the issue. It's the term and the contract. They want to offer him that eight-year max deal, but he wants more of a four- or five-year term because he knows that he can make big money on his next contract if he keeps doing what he's doing right now on a team like Minnesota. So I understand it from his perspective, especially being a guy who's coming over to the NHL as a bit of an overager for a rookie. Um, he needs to he needs to take a mid-year deal to maximize his value and make as much money as he can in his career. Yep. I would agree with that too. All right, Tyler, anything that you want to plug before you go? Like any, you got anything coming up on either of your YouTube channels that you want to talk about? Um, well, I'm not sure when you're going to have this out, but I will just let you guys know, regardless. Uh, first of all, thank you so much, both of you, Scotty and Doug. This was fantastic. Love doing hockey discussions. We'll always take them up for sure. So I appreciate you guys having me on the pod, and I wish you guys continued success going forward. On my end, um, I will be live tomorrow at the time of being uh, recording here, which is uh, going to be August 9th, uh, late at night. So it'll probably happen already. But at 2 p.m. Eastern time on Wardy NHL, which I'll be changing the name to officially Rangers Review soon with Staff Boy Steven. We will be discussing, uh, we'll be doing another episode that we usually do a live stream of an hour or so on just all the latest with the Rangers. Uh, we'll be Rangers Review number 28 or 29. I'm one of those two. Um, we'll be doing that. Uh, I'll be live on my baseball channel uh, later tomorrow night uh, for the Mets game. I do in-game live streams. So if you, anyone listening to this is a Mets fan by some some way, shape, or form, I'll be doing that. And, yeah, that's really all that's coming up on the on those channels, just more live streams I usually do that you guys probably know by now. All right, cool. And just so everyone knows, you can follow Tyler on Twitter, at WardyNYM. Um, all right, guys, thank you so much. Have a good night. This was another episode of Four Checking TV. Follow us on Twitter at Four Checking TV. And be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and look for us wherever you get your podcasts from. Once again, guys, thank you and good night.